Good morning and welcome to this Sunday School lesson for today. We want to thank you for being here with us. The internet is out and before we begin today we want to take note of um, the passing of um, members of Antioch Number One Baptist Church there in Tone Spring. Deacon um, Albert Richardson, um, also Miss Zelma Cunningham passed, and their funerals will be coming up here shortly. Um, we want to acknowledge that God is always in control, and everything that takes place in our lives, God has a hand in it. We are coming to the um, end of the quarter, um, which is um, Unit 3, the birth of the church. It had five lessons in it from the early chapters of the book of Acts. Lesson 9 highlighted Jesus' instructions that the disciples wait for for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit before beginning their ministries. And um, there were one, two, three, four, five lessons in unit number three, the birth of the church. This is the conclusion of unit number three. Today, May the 28th, the challenge of change, which comes out of Acts 9, 9 through the 17th verse and um, this has been a very uh, powerful lesson uh, we are on to the beginning of um, Paul's ministry uh, Paul had uh, been um, attacking Christians and all the things that Christians had been doing and um, he was blinded by the light of the Holy Spirit God's power when he was on his way to persecute Christians uh, that was in Acts the ninth chapter verses 1 through 9 um, then um, Saul begins to preach Jesus that's in Acts the ninth chapter verses 10 through 22 and then um, Saul escapes to Jerusalem, Acts the ninth chapter 23 to 31. That's where we're going to be beginning today at the conclusion of uh, the birth of the church. Let us go to the throne. Eternal God, our Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be a part of your agenda for ministry. Thank you for making me an instrument of your service that I may impact and influence the lives of those whom you place in my sphere of influence. Help me to accept them as they are and lead them to become what you would have them to become. I ask for your wisdom your insight, and most of all, 
the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Uh, a special shout out to the members of the Cunningham family as well as the Richardson family as he has gone home to be with the Lord. It's a journey that we all would take. And we hope that you are preparing yourself for that. This is lesson number 13 for May the 28, 2023. Unit 3, the birth of the church. As I said, this is the conclusion of this series. We will begin a new series um, in June. The challenge of change is the large subject here today. The devotional reading comes out of Philippians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 14. The background scripture comes out of Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 31. And the print passage comes out of Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 9 through 17. The key verse, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way of thy comings, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. A little background. We're talking about Saul, who had been persecuting Christians. And um, doing things to Christians for years. But uh, God knocked Saul off his horse one day. By a blinding light. And Saul became blind and um, needed help. And Ananias and other Christians who knew of Saul were given the task to hold Saul's hand, to lead Saul into where God wanted him to be. But first, he was to be let his sight come back through the Holy Spirit and then empowered with the Holy Spirit and um, he would begin to carry the message for Jesus Christ instead of fighting against Jesus Christ's word and his people what is the aim of this lesson here as a result of experiencing this lesson you should be able to do these things examine how Saul's conversion challenged his enemies to respond in love to him as a new follower of Jesus. Somebody who has been persecuting you and following you around and doing harm to you, um, and in some case killing you, your brothers and sisters and put them through all kinds of difficult challenges be, is a very challenging thing for you to do. The challenge of change is what the subject is, and that is somebody that has been persecuting you and doing harm to you, you ought to begin to 
change that to caring for them and loving them and that is very much a powerful challenge of change and we're going to be examining how Saul's conversion challenged his enemies to respond in love to him as a new follower of Jesus repent or repent to forgive that is the key for us today May of 2023 to repent and change and to forgive can you do that you know that if you can't forgive God won't be Jesus Christ God of the Father and the Holy Spirit through Christ won't be forgiving you but you first must forgive working former enemies as sisters and brothers in Christ how difficult is it for you to welcome former enemies as sisters and brothers in Christ. That challenge is for all of us. Some key terms for today, authority, the power to act, weigh, influence, behold, to look upon, to see, disciple, a learner, a pupil, praying, to pray off of prayers, pray it. Straight, straightway, a straight direction as opposed to crooked, upright. D, the number of God as the triune Godhead. Three, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Triune Godhead. Vision, Greek, that which is seen a spectacular sight. The biblical context for today's lesson, Acts 8 opens with Saul leading localized persecution against the church in Jerusalem. You can see that in Acts the 8th chapter, verses 3. Acts the 8th chapter, verses 3. We want to take a look at that. Acts the 8th chapter. Saul's takes leading part in the persecution of Christians, and it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hauling men and women committed them to prison. That's what Saul was doing. Then following an interlude describing Philip's evangelistic ministry, you see that in Acts 8 verses 5 through 40, the focus returns to Jerusalem where Paul continued to threaten and kill disciples threaten and kill disciples. Disciples in this context refers to all believers in Jerusalem, not the twelve disciples now identified as apostles. Consumed by the misguided desire to persecute Christians, Saul requested legal authority from the high priest to go to the synagogues in Damascus and bring any person associated with Christianity. The way back to Christ Jerusalem 
on the way back to Jerusalem, presumably to be killed because of their own faith in Jesus. The Roman considered the high priest as head of the Jewish state and allowed him to exercise authority over Jewish internal matters. Armed with this authority and motivated by an intense hatred for believers, <clears throat> Saul headed for Damascus and toward an unexpected encounter with Christ that would further God's predetermined plan of redemption and dramatic transforming him from a church persecutor transforming him from a church persecutor to a church builder from persecutor to preacher this is what we're about to deal with in this lesson today psychologically define forgiveness as a psychologist psychologically uh, forgiveness as a consciousness deliberate decision to relate feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person a group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness what about it forgiveness can they forgive Saul for what he has been doing to the Christians the believers in Christ can they forgive Saul test of faith and forgiveness the Bible explanation of forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender. The Greek word translated for forgiveness literally means to let go, to let go. Like when one does not demand payment for a debt. You can see that in Luke 11 verses 4 and Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Forgiveness is a spiritual discipline. Forgiveness is a spiritual discipline, is at the heart of the gospel. Without it, all of us were doomed to eternal separation from God. Jesus' example and teaching illustrate the expectation that believers treat others with compassion, love, mercy, and forgiveness. Compassion, love, mercy and forgiveness however there is a discrepancy and a disconnect between understanding the requirements to forgive and the willingness to grant it to others when we are the offended party that is the difficult task that is the difficult task David Sermons, a repeated counselor and author states, many years ago I was driven to the conclusion that two major causes of most emotional problems among evangelistic Christians are these. The failure to understand, to receive and live God's unconditional grace and forgiveness, and the failure to give our unconditional love and forgiveness and grace to other people. Let us repeat that. Christians have these to deal with. Number one, the failure to understand and receive and live God's unconditional grace and forgiveness. And number two, and failure to give out the unconditional love, 
forgiveness and grace to other people. What God has given to you, it is difficult for us to give back to others. That is the crust of many of the problems in the, in the faith community. We read, we hear, we believe a good theology of grace, but that's not the way we live. The good news of the gospel of grace has not penetrated the level of our emotions. There are some of us that have been forgiven so much that there seems to have the most difficult forgiving others, even ourselves, when we realize that we have messed up. How about it? Think about it. How difficult it is for you to forgive somebody. God has forgiven you, and He forgives every day. Spiritually, we know the solution to practicing forgiveness as believers is linked to our level of spirituality and relationship with God. Intellectually, we know the solution is realizing that forgiveness is not for the offender, but for the offended. Did you get that? Forgiveness is not for the offender, but for the offended. Forgiveness brings peace of mind to the forgiver and frees him or her from lingering anger and bitterness and adverse psychological emotional stress. Forgiveness is also a commitment to a personal process of change. A personal process of change. The account of Paul's dramatic conversion illustrates the need to receive forgiveness. Forgives oneself and commit to the process of continual spiritual transformation. Analysis of the biblical text of what we are talking about. A test of faith and forgiveness. If you will, turn to Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 9 through 14. Acts, the ninth chapter, verses 9 through 14. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drank. We're talking about Saul after he had been blinded and knocked off that horse. He was on his way to persecute Christians and kill Christians. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, in verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Taurus, for behold, he prayeth. Saul is praying after he got knocked off that horse and was blind, had been persecuting Christians, and he was on his way to do more damage when God got his attention. Verse 12, And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. God is telling Ananias what Paul's vision is and that Paul is praying and God. Do you see the awesomeness of God and what he's doing? He sees Saul praying He's seeing God, seeing the vision of Ananias coming, 
None of these things have happened yet, but God has seen all of them. Paul has seen them in a vision. Verse 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Ananias is telling God, Lord Jesus, his man has did so much damage to us and killing us and doing evil to us. Well, whoa, wait a minute. You want me to do what you want? See how difficult it is, a test of faith and forgiveness. And then in 14, And here he has authority from the chief priests to blind all that call on thy name, to bind them and put them in jail. Do you see? Do you see? Do you see? And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. You are talking to the people who have been behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the all of the oh and his soul is in a predicament and Ananias, God is telling him to go to him in heaven. Ananias is wondering what is going on here. Now, do you see the full-fledged weight of a test of faith and forgiveness? Ananias, why me, Jesus? Paul's miraculous conversion experience left him physically blind and required his being led into Damascus like a helpless lamb instead of the raging beast he intended upon his arriving you can see that in Acts 9, verses 3 through 8. He was blinded for three days, but engaged in fasting and prayer. Most likely, this was a time of reflection and repentance for Saul. We can't imagine that he wrestled with forgiveness himself for fruitless fighting against the Christ who recently proved his love and forgiveness toward him. Although salvation is instantaneous, it takes time to fully realize its significance and the commitment to a lifelong process of spiritual transformation. Saul used this time for his purpose. Looking at what he had done, how he had did Christians and stuff, he was in a state of repentance and changing. Even though it's the, the change to what God does to your life is instantaneous. It takes you a while for yourself for it to sink in and realize what is taking place and what is happening in your life. That is what Saul is doing now. You've been killing and persecuting Christians now. You are in a state where you're blind. You don't know where you're going yet, but you're asking for God to do something for you and you've been persecuting his people all this time. While Saul waited and flacked over what recently occurred in his life, God was preparing another man to use in his plans for Saul's life. That's Ananias. Through a vision, God spoke to Ananias, a disciple, as most likely one of the church's spiritual leaders. You can see that in Damascus. That's something you can see that in verse, verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. 
And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I am your Lord. Christ was instructed Ananias to go to the house on the straight street where he could find a man named Saul of Taurus. His visit was expected because Saul was in prayer and has been showing had been shown Ananias coming into vision to restore his sight. Ananias had no way of knowing about Saul's recent conversion. He did not know about Saul's recent conversion because God had not revealed it to him. Without hesitation and understanding, Ananias protested meeting this man. He knew that the harm Saul inflicted on believers in Jerusalem had recently received word that he had headed to Damascus for the same purpose. God got his attention on the Damascus road. Ananias was in effect asking if the Lord was serious or if he knew what he was asking him to do. God, what are you asking me to do? You're testing my faith and forgiveness. God, what are you asking me? God's command to Ananias had a dual purpose. First, number one, first it was to a severe test of his faith. Why does God allow our faith to be tested? In the Old Testament and New Testament, the words translated test means to prove by trial. Therefore, God allows faith-testing circumstances to prove to us that our faith in Him is real, that we are truly His children, and that no trial can overcome our faith. Often, as in an Ananias case, these tests are designed to push us into uncharted territory, to teach us perseverance and enhance our spiritual growth during the process. Second, God's ordering Ananias to meet Saul was a test of his capacity and willingness to practice forgiveness especially toward a known enemy. How about you? Can you stand that test? Can you stand that test of your faith and trust in God? Despite our piety and devotion to the word, our freely forgiving our enemies is low on the chart of obedience. (laughs) God intended to use Ananias in fulfilling his plan for Saul. Therefore, it was essential that Ananias harbored no ill will or a grudge against Saul and and could welcome him as a brother in Christ. How do you stand up in situations where you have to forgive an enemy, a person that has wronged you and continually doing you wrong every day? And you are finally getting in a position where you're asked, you're led by the Holy Spirit to forgive them. How difficult 
It is. God does that. God does that. To test your faith in Jesus and God. What do you think? Why is it difficult for those forgiving by God to extend forgiveness to others? Think about that just for a moment. Why is it difficult for those forgiven by God? God has forgiven you for what you've done. Why is it so difficult for you to extend that forgiveness to others? Do you know why? Let's deal with it. The evidence of change, Acts the ninth chapter, verses 15 through 17. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. He's telling that nice, go on and do what I told you to do. Saul is a chosen vessel for what I want done, what I want to do. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Saul, God had chosen Saul. God has chosen you for a task. Are you mindful of that task? For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God is talking about what Saul, he's going to show Saul what he's got to go through for him. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him and said, Behold, Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What an awesome, awesome key verse and the onset of the challenge of change for Saul as well as for Ananias to go do what God is telling them to someone who had been persecuting and killing them. God overruled Ananias' protest by assuring him that Saul he would meet was a changed man. Now Saul was his chosen instrument to further his redemptive plan by witnessing to Gentiles, kings and nations of Israel. You can see that in verse number 15. God's plan was always purposeful. God's plan was always purposeful and will not be altered for our comfort or preference. So too, those he chose must not expect a flowery bed of ease. Saul's call was to a life of suffering and persecution for Christ. You can see that in verse number 16. In fact, Saul's suffering and persecution for Christ's name would begin in just a few days and continue until his execution in Rome. The Lord's word strengthened Ananias and helped him overcome his fears. He found Judah's house and laid his hand on Saul, restoring his sight and commissioned him as directed by God. You can see that in verse 17. And Acts, the 22nd chapter, verses 14 and 15. 
Saul received more than his sight and a divine commission. He was filled with the Holy Spirit to empower him to begin, continue the task that God had given him. Now, at this point, the Holy Spirit had already transformed his life and placed him in the body of Christ. But the power, guidance, and direction he provided through his filling ministry were indispensable. How can you forgive someone who has been persecuting and killing you, your brothers and sisters? God put Saul through what he put others through. You've been killing and doing things to my folks, Saul. I have a lesson. I have a job for you, too. The lives of Saul, later to be called Paul and Ananias, were both changed to illustrate that God's call to ministry is never based on the servant's whims or preferences, but on God's sovereignty to do as he pleases. Ananias learned that importance of obeying God by faith and his expectation that his followers extend forgiveness to others. Even those considered enemies. The evidence of this change in Ananias is shown in how he greeted Saul as brother. As brother. Indicating that he had forgiven him and accepted him into the Christian fellowship. The evidence of Saul's transformation is revealed as his story unfolds in the book of Acts. God took his inmate leadership skills, ability to speak, and the knowledge of the scripture and used them to expand the church throughout the known world. Using the persecutor Saul to go to the Gentiles and others in the nation about God. God took his inmate leadership skills, ability to speak the knowledge of the scripture and use them to expand the church throughout the known world. He directed, he redirected Saul's strength to building up instead of tearing down God's people. Paul spent a lot of time tearing down God's people. Now he will be building them up. God is still able to transform lives, your life, my life, anybody's life that God sets his sights on to change and to use in his ministry. God is still able to transform lives into instruments he can use to continue his command to evangelize the world. Remember that command when he was going back to sit at the right hand of the Father he was going into the cloud. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. No one is unimportant to him. Whether a prominent Paul or an obscure Ananias, the faith community task is to lead humanity to Christ and allow God to transform and use him for his glory. What are your thoughts? What are some of the ways that believers suffer for Christ's sake? 
in this day 2023 you lied upon you lied about you're put upon you're persecuted why is this a difficult principle to accept and how can fear of it be overcome you're going to go to go through something for Christ Jesus Christ gave his life Paul would be later executed in Rome. Are you prepared for this journey? Are you ready for this journey? Are you praying daily on this journey? Are you seeking guidance? A closing thought. How difficult is it for you to forgive, especially those causing you deep hurt? Regardless of the size of the offense, the preferred course is not usually forgiveness on our part. Saul's conversion challenged his enemies to forgive and welcome him into the Christian fellowship. Ananias was the first believer to face this challenge. Ananias was the first to face this challenge. Why was he able to greet Saul as brother instead of rejecting him as an enemy to be feared? First, Ananias was transparent and acknowledged his inner feelings toward Saul to God. In other words, Ananias told God what it was his problem from the beginning. He didn't hide it and cover it up. He was scared of Saul. Saul had been killing and doing all kinds of things. God, what are you sending me into this man for? This man is, was on his way to do more harm to us when he was on the Damascus Road. You, God, God, well, you are. Now, second, he accepted God's pers perspective of Saul's changed life and responded accordingly. God told him, okay, Ananias, he's changed. I know what he did. He's shamed. So you ain't got nothing to fear from. Okay, go on. Okay. All right. God's perspective of Saul's change and response according to Saul's changed life meant God had forgiven him. God had forgiven him. And I chose to follow his example. If God can forgive, you can forgive. Think about that. If God can forgive, you can forgive as well. His example, the capacity to demonstrate forgiveness, the capacity to demonstrate forgiveness requires progressive spiritual maturation and following and allowing. That is a strong, ongoing, continuing process of maturing spiritually to forgive somebody. Spiritual maturity to allow for forgiveness, just like God forgave you. God loves to overcome any reluctance we may have to forgive others trespasses against us. Now, what about your life? The issue of forgiveness touches each of us every day. It touches us every single day. 
starting now, this week, identify an individual you are struggling to forgive. I don't know who they are. You know who they are. And guess who else? God knows who they are as well. Then acknowledge any anger and bitterness. In other words, start from the beginning. Don't um, cover it up, hide it, whatever. Come clean from the beginning. Where it started from. How? What? What is it? What's the problem? Then acknowledge any anger and bitterness you have toward that person. Confess it to God. Seek his guidance in how to approach that person. If necessary, I emphasize, if necessary, and forgive him or her as God has forgiven you. The same as God has forgiven you. Follow God's example. As members of a minority population in this country, we may hesitate to forgive those who intentionally hurt and oppress us individually and collectively. Think about all the people that have been oppressed and put upon in this world. Think about from Africa to the Jewish community, the Indians, what was done to them in this country. Um, it is it is powerful and imperative that you forgive so that you can move on. Because God has forgiven you. Humanity is in a state where it has to and must forgive each other if it is to continue in Christ-like manner and in love. As members of a minority population in this country, we may hesitate to forgive those who intentionally hurt and oppress us individually and collectively. However, we must remember that we are called to participate in the ministry of reconciling humanity to God. That is what the big challenge for us when Jesus Christ left here. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the dead. That is your task. However, we must remember that we are called to participate in a ministry of reconciling humanity to God. Therefore, we must consistently examine our prejudices, refuse to maintain records of past and present offenses, affirm God's mercy and grace toward us, and strive to forgive with the mind and heart of Christ in the likeness and the character of Jesus Christ. Okay. Preparing for next week's lesson. Next week begins summer 2023 quarter. The first lesson is titled Stop the Chaos. Isaiah 57 chapter verses 7 through 12. And this world is in some kind of chaos now. From the house to the church. From the boardroom to the house room. It does not matter. The world is in some kind of topsy-turvy chaos now. Due to sin. 
Next week, Monday, May the 29th, God's servant will establish justice. You can see that in Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, verses 1 through 7. These are your guides for the week. Tuesday, May the 30th, live by faith, not works. Galatians, the second chapter, verses 16b through 21. Wednesday, May the 31st, my servant shall restore Israel. That's in Isaiah, the 49th chapter, verses 1 through 13. Thursday, June the 1st, God will not forget you. Isaiah, the 49th chapter, verses 14 through 23. And Friday, June the 2nd, God desires that you live in purity. First Thessalonians in the third chapter, verses 11 and um, 4 and 8. Then Saturday, June the 3rd, clothe yourself with love. Colossians, the third chapter, 8 through 17. Then on Sunday, June the 4th, ye shall be redeemed. Isaiah, the 57th verse. Verses 1 through 12. What a powerful lesson. What a powerful lesson. Closing prayer. Gracious God, thank you for giving and accepting us as your children. Just as you continue to offer forgiveness freely to all. Help us to emulate you by forgiving others as you have forgiven us time and time again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to upload this into Mixcloud and to uh, Blog Talk Radio. We uh, apologize for the internet is not on, so this is just a recording of the lesson. And we hope you will be blessed by it as well. On behalf of all of us here at Antioch, we need your prayers, your love, your grace, and your mercy. As death has made its way in our midst, as death is in our lives all the time. For the loss of Deacon Albert Richardson and Miss Cunningham and other situations at our church. We thank you. And God bless you. On behalf of Reverend Oliver and all the Antioch family, God bless you. God willing, we'll see you next week. Take care now. God bless you.